Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Gary Parrish, welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. I'm in a hotel room in Atlanta after covering the CBS Sports Classic earlier today. Deadleg is in the CBS Sports HQ studios in Stanford, Connecticut. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. Don't forget while you're here, also subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Let's get into it. The biggest game of the weekend. It was played a Saturday afternoon on Peacock. It was a game between the teams ranked first and third in the AP poll. Final score number three, Purdue 92, number one, Arizona 84. Zach Eady, the reigning national player of the year. He got 22 points, nine rebounds, five assists, two steals, and a block. Fletcher Lawyer added 27. Braden Smith got 26. Purdue trailed by six, then led by 17, won by eight. Dead leg. We'll talk about the where the Boilermakers might belong in Monday's AP poll in a moment. But okay. first... I know you're in HQ studio all day, yeah. watching everything, talking about everything. Your thoughts on Purdue's latest impressive win and how it went down. I'm going to get to that, and I'm not going to send this podcast off the rails. I just want to say that your situation right now looks like you might be captive in a hostage situation. It's a heck of a backdrop you got going on right now. They so got a gun pointed at me right there. Stop. They got a point. They got a gun pointed at me right there. <laughs> they said, they said, they said, talk about Indiana's Kim Palm ranking one more time, and we're pulling oh, the trigger. Oh boy. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Um, heck of a game. I, I thought for the most part, it, it lived up to our expectations. Did it come down to a buzzer beater? No. Um, but I'll tell you what, it's drastically different from the first time these teams played in anticipation of talking about this one. Um, these teams first met, as you well know, January one back in 1934, yep. that was a 32, 24 Purdue win, a combined 58 points. This game hit 58 points with six minutes to go in the first half. Uh, well, I, the think most- that, I think that's proof. I think that's all the evidence you need to know that basketball has changed dramatically over it, the past hundred years. Absolutely. I, for many reasons, no Umar Balo is playing back in uh, 1934, nor Zach Eadies at that, uh, at that matter. But uh, yeah, man, Purdue, 
I mean, what do you want at this point? They've got more quad win wins than anyone. Have beaten Gonzaga, Marquette, uh, Arizona, Bama, Tennessee. Those are all top 20 Ken Palm teams. Um, the thing that I continue to be impressed with, I think I mentioned this on last weekend's show. So Purdue has faced a top five offense five times so far this season, those aforementioned teams. And in all of those games, that offense has performed below its average heading into the game. Uh, now, this, this one was obviously uh, a high-paced, and and we got to get into Lawyer and Smith and what they did. But on the whole, Parrish, for Purdue to, I would say, authoritatively get this kind of win, and, and, and as coincidence would have it, getting their first win over a number one team since they did it in 2000 in the city of Indianapolis against number one Arizona, um, just the third time they've ever uh, won against number one team and the previous ones, they were, you know, they hadn't scored more than 64 points here. It's an outright, it's an outright, you know, I don't want to say domination, but 92, 84. If you watch the game, uh, Arizona put up a good fight, but this was produced to have, and I was impressed that they did it because they didn't shoot well from the foul line. 63%. Um, the, the shooting across the board was relatively similar and Arizona was able to match Purdue with points in the paint overall. Uh, highly impressed with, uh, with lawyer, 27 points, best game of his career. He had, he had what, five, four or five steals as well. Uh, Braden Smith had a couple of daggers. And Zach Eady hit the under. 38.5 was the over-under going in GP. 22 points, nine boards, 31. Well under. Boom. I don't have my normal I don't have my normal board with me. So instead Boom. of a, I was wrong. I got a, uh, that's what I got for you. you took the I knew what Zach Eady would let game? me down. <laughs> your thoughts on the game. I mean, Purdue controlled it, and then Arizona is so good that they just bang, bang, bang like an 11-0 run, and they're back in it. But con- but Purdue largely controlled the game and 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 did what it's been doing all season long, which is show that it is, yes, one of the best teams in the country, and yes, a legitimate national championship contender. And I know that should go without saying, given what they brought back and the number beside their name and that the reigning Big Ten champs and all the computers love them and all the things they've already done this season. But they cannot win a game without somebody reminding you they're not going to win a game like this in March. I mean, it is it is it's it's you can't get one without the other. It's like peanut butter. And OK, I guess you need jelly. Here's the jelly. Every time you say Purdue did something good, Purdue is good. Purdue is great. Oh, look, Purdue just beat the number one team in the country the replies are largely going to be from people telling you, oh, another great regular season for the Boilermakers, um, but they can't do it in March. They won't do it in March. I look forward to their second round exit. And it, it's so stupid. Like, it's just a, an independently stupid, undeniably stupid opinion to have that because Purdue got upset in last season's NCAA tournament that that suggests this Purdue team can't, win six games in the next NCAA tournament. Like one, I don't guess one has nothing to do with the other, but one's got very little to do with the other. So I, that that's frustrating to see. I, I'm sure more so for Matt Painter and Zach Eady than it is for me. Um, but, you know, I it is why once that tournament starts, I'll be rooting for Purdue as hard as I root for anybody because I want this narrative to be stripped away from them. And for for folks to accurately describe what it is Matt Painter is doing without any sort of qualifiers, because what Matt Painter is doing right now is running 
quite literally one of the best basketball programs in America. And yes, I do think that regardless of whether he's got the best team in the sport right now, I do think that Purdue should be ranked number one in the AP poll on Monday. Where are you at on that? Uh, so yeah, I talked about that on HQ tonight. Um, my guess is Kansas will get number one. If I had a vote, I would vote Purdue number one because I think on balance overall, it deserves it. Uh, and I acknowledge that you know the game was in Purdue's backyard. These two teams will meet again next year. I think the game is in Vegas in 24. Uh, so this is a two-game series. Uh, for as fun, it would have been on campus. Take what you can get. And uh, that building looked rocking. I, I would put Purdue number one with all that is accomplished. And uh, this isn't relevant specifically to where they should be rated and ranked uh, this season. They're, they got two more by games awaiting them and they'll probably win them and they'll have three straight consecutive regular seasons of not having lost a non-conference game. So to your point about Painter and the program he's running, Purdue's obviously operating as a top five program. I get it if you want to wait, it, you know, if you're like, okay, I'll take Purdue for what it is now, but uh, we got to see it happen in March. I'm not going to push back on that, but you're going to miss out a ton along the way because the team continues to expand in its capability to knock off pretty much any team in the country. Arizona rightfully had earned that number one ranking. And I think rightfully had been regarded as, as the best team. I think Houston was still regarded as that per the metrics. But if you'd watch Arizona play the style they had played, how well Caleb Love had come along. Caleb Love, by the way, good again. I mean, really, really good. 29 points in this one, six boards, three assists, had some Johnny on the spot moments that kept Arizona within striking distance on a day where, you know, Balo didn't play that well overall, but uh, but point I'm uh, really stretching out to make here is that Purdue, to me, has the best resume. I, I can't even necessarily say it's the best team for sure right now. It's a pretty crowded conversation, and I, and I love that. But when you get, again, if you watch the game from start to finish, uh, Fletcher Lawyer came ready, and that had to be such a welcome sight for people in Purdue's camp. Uh, Braden Smith uh, is growing into one of the best point guards in the country, uh, unquestionably on that. And then you, you don't even need a huge, like there there was a stretch where they relied on Edie, but you don't need to to have him carry you. In fact, I would argue that Purdue is more likely to get picked off against an inferior team if it's relying on Edie versus, you know, having that support system with those two guards. And it won't be just them two, but they happen to be the big ones that showed up uh, that showed up today. I mean, the fact that you had uh, Smith go for 26 and he was probably probably the third most important person on the floor from start to finish there really speaks, uh, speaks volume. So I would say Purdue should be number one. I'm predicting Kansas will hold number one. I already know that you're going to put Purdue number one because we are at the point in the season where you're ranking these teams based on resume accomplishments and Kansas does not have a resume that can stand up next to Purdue's and be ranked above them at this point. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think it's close. Um, I think if Kansas is number one, it will only be because Kansas was number two last week. That'll be the only reason. Like if you stripped away the first six AP polls and just said, hey, guys, hey, everybody, let's turn in a ballot Monday morning. Who you think is number one? I think Purdue would win that easily. But because Kansas is already number two and Kansas did go on the road and and get a win over a Blue Blood program this weekend, I, I think it's going to be close. I, I don't know which way it'll go. I Just like I tweeted, I'm not sure which way it'll go. But it's pretty clear in my mind it should be Purdue. If you want to have a conversation about who are the best teams, that can be a conversation that includes Purdue, Kansas, Arizona, Houston, UConn. 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, Houston is undefeated, strong computer numbers. I just don't think Houston's done enough. Like, if Houston had been my preseason number one, they would still be my number one because I would say they hadn't done anything to lose it. But I don't think they've done enough to gain it. And so I'm just going to leave them set. I'm picking between Purdue and Kansas because they played real challenging schedules so far and done well against them. Just want to do some numbers real quick to sort of hammer home the point I think that makes it clear it should be Purdue over Kansas. Um, Purdue is 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 ten and one lone loss in overtime at Northwestern. They got wins over the teams ranked fourth, sixth, seventh, and ninth at Ken Palm. So they have four top ten Ken Palm wins, six top fifty Ken Palm wins. That's Purdue. Kansas also ten and one lone loss by fourteen to Marquette on a neutral. Kansas has two top ten wins over Ken Palm teams and three top fifty wins over Ken Palm teams. So both teams have have one loss. Purdue's in overtime. So close game, true road at Northwestern. Um, but Kansas is by double digits on a neutral to a to a better team. So how do you balance those things? I think it's kind of a wash. A close loss on the road um, as opposed to a double-digit loss on a neutral. Clearly Kansas lost to a better team, but Purdue's was in a true road environment as opposed to – However you feel about that, it, it I don't think there's much difference there. Um, so now you look at the win column, and again, it's not close. Purdue has four top 10 Kimpom wins. Kansas has two. Purdue has six top 50 Kimpom wins. Kansas has three. They have a common opponent in Marquette. Purdue beat them. Kansas didn't. Yeah. They were the same. They were in the same multi-team event, Maui. Purdue won it. Kansas didn't. It seems clear that the AP voters, if they're smart, who knows? But if they're smart, broadly speaking, they should elevate Purdue to number one for in the AP poll for the second time this season on Monday. But I, I don't know if they will. Yeah, we'll see. If they don't, I mean, it's not the end of the world. Uh, it will actually be. The it will not be. I assure you of that. No, Purdue is in I'm the driver's seat for the number one overall seed right now. And we're going to get to Kansas in just a second here. I will note that Saturday was the first time Tommy Lloyd had lost in seven games against the Big Ten team. And I'll reemphasize the fact that Purdue, to no surprise, given what Edie can do, um, Arizona entered the game outscoring its opponents by 22 points on average in paint points on Saturday. That was truly, uh, by definition, neutralized. Both teams had 40 apiece. And Arizona's got five players averaging between 12.3 and 14.1 points. But on on Saturday, it, that was not the case. Uh, you had three players that, that passed that threshold. Love had 29, Balo had 13, uh, and then Johnson at 24. In fact, I thought he was a, a pretty, I thought in, in a loss, if you're an Arizona fan, uh, he continues to be a, a really bright spot for, for what you'll do moving forward as a two-way piece. Uh, the San Diego State transfer showing up large, 24 points, eight rebounds, um, had a really big transition dunk there. Uh, you didn't get as much from Crevis as I thought you'd need to do. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a loss. It's a loss that will age beautifully because Purdue is going to continue to look good. And we think Arizona is going to be in command in the Pac-12. So, hey, you take an L. Uh, Tommy Lloyd has very few of them since he started coaching Arizona. Uh, this, to me, was more about Purdue reinforcing the fact that it has the strongest resume and a case to be as good as just about any team in the country. Saturday provided us with a triple header on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Kansas at Indiana led things off. Then we got UCLA, Ohio State, Kentucky, North Carolina in the CBS Sports Classic here in Atlanta. We're going to discuss each of those games next. But first, I'm going to need a word from our partners. 
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So Saturday provided us with a triple header, first triple header of the season on CBS. Let's discuss Mm -hmm. all three games, but let's do it in the order that they were played, starting with what happened in Bloomington. Final score, Kansas 75, Indiana 71. The Blue Blood Hoosiers led the Jayhawks by as many as 13 points in the second half. Seemed on the verge of a nice win that could have maybe got them in the top 110 of the net. But Kansas outscored Indiana 38-21 in the final 15 minutes to win the game by four. And I hope folks who listen to Friday's podcast um, were really listening closely because what did we tell them, Deadleg? We said you can't give a Blue Blood program six points at home regardless of the circumstances. Can't do it. Can't, can't do, do it. it. Even a blue blood program that ain't finished top 25 at Kim Pom since 2016. Can't give them six points at home. Easy it. win. Easy win. Why did the odds makers make it so easy for us, dead leg? Okay. 75-71, Kansas wins. Uh, I don't know. You, six points. We saw it the whole way coming there. Uh, although we oh, did have some, we had some scouters. We had some scouters and deptics. <laughs> we had some doubters and skeptics going to that. But we knew it the whole way. Uh, KU did not take its first lead in this game, by the way, until 4.50 was remaining. That was like four minutes after Kevin McCullough Jr. picked up his fourth foul with eight and a half and change to go. When that happened, I thought, Indiana should have this. And to be clear, Indiana had this game. It had it on multiple occasions, multiple opportunities, hanging around alligator blood. They let Kansas hang around, hang around. Do not let a Bill Self coach team hang around on you or you could be on the wrong end of an outcome, and that's exactly what happened to Indiana. Uh, Trey Galloway had uh, he's he had probably the best performance that's going to be it won't be forgotten among you know Indiana fans. But in the aftermath of such a loaded weekend, man, guy went for twenty eight, had so many huge buckets, shot so well from the field. He did wind up following out down the stretch there. It wasn't just him, like Mackenzie and Baco. Let me just you know put some shine here on Indiana fans. Uh, so you know not every single one of them gives us a one star review. If you wouldn't mind, GP, I'll give a little love to the Hoosiers here. And Baco, he is he is providing, in my opinion, 
the the progressive steps in his game that that staff knew that they would get, but it was going to take a little bit of time. I think there's there's plenty of good there. Uh, Kalel Ware is just, you need him to be the dude in games like this. And unfortunately, he was 3 of 12 from the field. He had uh, 15 boards. But if you watch the game, like it would have been Mbako, Galloway that were stepping up. Uh, Renew had a couple of spots there. They didn't have what they needed down the stretch. And I wanted to see Kalel Ware really step up and help try and take the, over that game. Galloway said, no, this game is mine. Um, for Kansas, it was just, it was steady, steady, steady. And this is, they continue to do this without having a lot of help from the bench. In fact, in this game period, there was nine total bench points. Kansas had six, Indiana had three. Dickinson went for 17. He had a, I mean, he's got that like tiny drop step baby hook that is almost automatic. Uh, he is going to be good on a nightly basis to get you six or eight points from that alone. Harris uh, playing the point had a good, had a couple of good moments as well as there as well. And then McCuller, who hit like so many foul shots that really like compounded to help Kansas get this game. Um, it was a really nice effort overall. Uh, Indiana misses out on just a huge resume opportunity here. Um, they're going to have more, but you had Kansas number two team in the country in your building and you were you were leading this team by 13 at one point. It was up to 50 to 37 in this game and you let it you let it slip away. Um, even in spite of that, they shot well for themselves. Indiana, they took 16 threes. They made six of them. That's actually a decent clip for them. Uh, too many turnovers. Uh, it's not surprising when Kansas wins and goes on the building, uh, goes into someone else's building and does it. So there's no major headline there. Just by nature of the win, they're going to be in position to potentially be number one on Monday. To me, it was about the opportunity loss for Indiana. We'll see how they handle this moving forward. And if it is something that they can really put behind them, or if we don't look back and say, damn, they had it. And uh, and their seasons can been kind of curling sideways since. I don't know if that'll happen or not. I do know if Ware had played a little bit better, Indiana wins the game. It didn't. Four point loss. KU took it in the end. I I watched the game in the press room, media room at State Farm Arena. The whole time, I'm just like you. I thought it was just one of those days. You see this all the time in college basketball, and it becomes clear quickly. Like you're just losing this game. Yeah, you're the better it team. Felt it. It, it felt, felt it that for way. It, 35 minutes. It felt yes. like Indiana was winning the game. It yeah. felt like, man, I'm looking at it. I've seen this a million times. I know which team is better, but I know which team's winning today. Seen it a million times. And that's what that felt like the entire game. And I guess the biggest uh, kryptonite to that feeling is Bill Self. Because he can let you feel that way. I bet Hubert Davis felt that way a few years ago in a national championship game. Right? He's he like... you. The biggest kryptonite to that recipe of, oh, man, the home team underdog is about to win this game is Bill Self because he'll just snatch it from you. And that's what he did here. I thought the Juan Harris was great in the final minutes. Um, he he scored with 416 left, gave Kansas a lead. They never trailed after that. He had four points, two assists in the final 416. He just looked like he was in control of – okay, like. Part of Kansas taking that in the final minutes was Dewan Harris being in charge of that in, in the final few minutes. Um, so Kansas is now 10 and one that lone loss to Marquette. They've beaten Tennessee, Kentucky, Yukon, Indiana. They're going to close their non-league schedule. They got games against Yale, Wichita state. So Kansas should be 12 and one heading into the big 12 portion of their schedule on Indiana. It's now seven and three. They have zero wins over top 40 Kempom teams, but nothing but losses to like top 20 Kempom teams. Beat Michigan, beat Maryland, lost to UConn, Auburn, Kansas. Um, as of two hours ago, I haven't updated it, but as of two hours ago, they were 76 at Kempom. And when you remove the preseason data at Bart Torvik, they were 93rd. 
this is year three for Mike Woodson. It's not going brilliantly. We never, I'm not setting up some joke, I promise. We never talk seriously, or at least we rarely talk seriously about Indiana. Um, so let's do that now. Um, mm-hmm. Consider this at least temporarily like a no jokes zone. Mike Woodson is in year three. He went 21 and 19 in the Big Ten in his first two years, made the NCAA tournament both seasons. That's good, but only made it past the round of 64 once. Failed to make the Sweet 16 in either year, even though IU was a four seed last season. How do, like, seriously, how is the Mike Woodson thing going from your perspective, and where do you think it goes from here? I think it's going okay. It's not poor by no means. And I, you know, even in, in light of this kind of result, which, you know, you went to Kansas a year ago, you were obviously not competitive in that game. And now you come back and you have them again, you have them in your building, you have them on the option. If you get a win like this, boy, it does on a certain level, it, it, it enables the fan base and the program to say, okay, just got to win over KU. We're eight and two instead of seven and three. Was it, we were able to bounce back because remember they're coming off a, a game a, a week ago where they got just uh, you know drop kicked by Auburn, um, but you don't have that yet. Uh, the Big Ten is going to be ripe for Indiana if it is a team of of real legitimacy to to make some noise because Indiana is not going to play a relevant game here uh, for a few weeks at minimum. So we'll we'll have to look up and pop our heads out of the water and see where they're at. It's going okay. Um, from everything you want to include, fan engagement, wins and losses, qualifying for the NCAA tournament, uh, how they've done in the portal, how they're doing in recruiting. Uh, it could certainly be worse. Um, I think Indiana fans might be caught in a little bit of, and I'm not going to speak on behalf of the fan base, but having heard some feedback here and there, please, I'm begging you don't. I would like to. Um, they are probably caught in this weird thing where um, I don't know how many are rooting for the likes of a Dusty May to take that job whenever it comes open, but FAU got a win today to help you know help its resume little by little. They beat St. Bonaventure, and uh, it's very uh, possible to see how Dusty May, after not taking a job last season, if a good one opens, and there could be multiple with that where he is a top target, um, that he chooses to take it. And if you're Indiana, Mike Woodson's guiding your program, and you're a fan of that of that uh, of that team, um, are you wanting to stay on this course with Woody for another two, three, four years? It might work out well for you. I'm not saying it won't, but I think they're caught in this. And sometimes college fan bases get caught in this. We're like, they know what they've got. They don't hate it, but they might not like how many Indiana fans think that they've got a final four in the future. If Mike Woodson's guiding the program, I think that's a fair question to ask because frankly, they're aching to get back to that kind of level there. And, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of, you know, I'm using aloud. I know you're going to ask me the question, GP, but I would, if you didn't ask me to grade him, but I would say the Mike Woodson thing so far feels like a B minus, which is far from a failing grade, but they're not, they're not thriving. And that that's for sure. And uh, it would be a lot different had they been able to pull this one out in my opinion. Yeah. I, I thought year one was fine. I thought I like, again, all jokes aside, like I'll get back to doing it when I, when it's time to do it. But for now I'm being serious. I thought year was fine. Year one was fine. I thought year two was a slight disappointment. Um, you know, to be picked by a lot of people to win the Big Ten and and not even – I know they finished high in the standings, but they finished far from the top. High in the standings, but, like, there was a gap between the Big Ten record of Purdue and their Big Ten record. So they didn't really sniff the Big Ten title. And then this season, we'll see where it's going, but the computer numbers are not good where they should be. And for what it's worth, Kimpom has Indiana going 9-11 and 11 in the Big Ten and entering the Big Ten tournament at 17-14. and 14. That won't be good enough. And so then the question becomes – and I don't even know if this is a real question. This is just me and you talking. But, okay, Louisville opens, and they're going to target Dusty May. 
and you're Indiana and you say, and, and Dusty's agent tells you, you could have him now, but if not, he's going to go to Louisville, but you could have him now. Does that influence you? Yeah. I mean, that's a, <laughs> that, that stuff happens it's, all the does. time. It does. It does. And it's, it feels like, it, like, Hey, you if know. you fire your yeah. coach and open your job, right. we'll take your job. Otherwise right. we're going here. That happens. Or if, or if you're Louisville, you try, I'm not saying that Louisville would hire Dusty May. I'm not saying he would get the top of the list, but if it happened like that, um, it doesn't get reversed on you where Indiana passes. He takes the Louisville job and then it opens in two years. And then, and then Indiana's got the, got the car. I don't know how it will play out, but um, we'll see. If, if, I'll, I'll, I'll put a bow on it like this. I, I, and I, and I tweeted this early on Saturday. And part of this is because CBS does college basketball on television better than anyone. Uh, the fact that you had, we had a, a lot of great matchups today, but only a couple that were, road on campus environments and just to see highly rate Kansas and an Indiana team that was ready to go, ready to play and a fan base that was there. The students were on break. It did not matter. They had the stripe out there that looked great. And I love seeing Indiana engage and involved in like really in a competitive game there. They couldn't pull it out in the end, but at least it's at a, it's at a state right now where there's still like genuine enthusiasm behind the program. Even if, they're not ranked in the top 25 on a weekly basis, and they're still trying to get there. Um, I still think there's there's room for optimism under Woodson. Yeah, I've been to Indiana for a handful of games. It's awesome. Like, Assembly Hall at its best is as yeah. good as anything. Yeah. I mean, my top is always Allen Fieldhouse, but Allen Fieldhouse, Cameron Indoor, the Kennel, Assembly Hall, like when it's popping, those, those are as good as it gets. As cascading stands. Yeah, that's the thing. It looks like it's just going straight I up into the air. I want to ski down it. It's like that's like a it's like a mountain there. It's awesome. I want to awesome I want to roll down it. Okay. I just want to roll down Assembly Hall. <laughs> I can't wait to get back. Oh, I don't one, think they're letting you in. Just so we're clear. Maybe but. I'll sneak in. I'll sneak. I'll wait for Dusty to get the job. Okay. Then me and Dusty will walk in. I'll be at I'll be with Dusty at the introductory press conference. What if me and Dusty walk in together? Yeah, what if? What if? We have we have many more games to get to, and it's getting late. The second game on CBS on Saturday was UCLA-Ohio State, uh, which will play, be played. I bet you didn't know this. What? This game, next season, it'll be played on a Tuesday night on the Big Ten Network. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes, both these teams will be in the Big Ten next season. That is true. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. Final score, Ohio State 67, UCLA 60. So the Buckeyes won the opening game of the CBS Sports Classic. We're here to give Chris Holtman the credit that nobody else right. will ever give him. Of course. Deadly, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this game. It was unranked versus unranked, and we got a lot to get to. Yeah. But UCLA is now 0-4 against top 250 competition. This Crazy. <laughs> Are you concerned about the greatest coach in UCLA history? I'm concerned that we might have labeled Mick Cronin the greatest coach in UCLA history because we got a lot to atone for right now. This is tough. It is tough. Although I appreciate the graphic that was uh, put on the screen and tweeted at us where Mick Cronin is far outpacing John Wooden through the first few years. I know, UCLA's but did you see who's at the top? Jimmy Herrick. I know. I know. Jimmy what if Herrick. Jim Herrick's really the greatest coach in UCLA? He history? really might be. I mean, the man does have a title. We might have been misplaying this the whole time. but We could have screwed this up. Um, UCLA is, we talked about Michigan state. Is it in danger of not making the tournament? We'll get to the Spartans in just a few here. Uh, UCLA is in true danger here. It's five and four. It's only other remaining non-con game of note is at home against Maryland. And that almost certainly won't be a quad one game. Um, so even if it wins it, it'll get no quad one wins in the non-con and the pac 12 will be fine, but 
as I said earlier on Saturday, I, I, because of this loss, and you, you know, you, they got dealt the Shamanot hand, at, 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 so they lose a D1 opponent, which would have been a, re, a respectable opponent otherwise in that tournament. They don't have that, and so now, I think they got to finish top three in the Pac-12 to to have a safer and at-large bid. Like projecting out, maybe if they finish fourth, they'll have a case. We'll cross that bridge if we get there. But I'm just saying, like, you cannot afford, in my opinion, now for UCLA to win fewer than. I don't think you can win fewer than like 13 league games and still have a case there. So it is a bit odd um, for UCLA from that perspective there. Uh, if you want to speak to the game, you can speak to the game, but I just wanted to go picture picture on UCLA and then Ohio state for Holtman to be nine and two. Like it's a stable team. I really like Bruce Thornton. The offense looks good. It was an ugly game. Like it was not a, it was not oh. a cosmetically, it was not a cosmetically appealing game whatsoever. Like on a very busy day, it just didn't have that appeal at all. But one team was going to come out on the other side of this, like, at least we got um, a legitimate win and like we can, we can turn toward Christmas and feel good about themselves. I think Ohio state is, you know, someone asked me here at HQ, like what is Ohio state going to be this season? And after the win, I was like, you know what? I kind of think like, if you're asking me to project out, like mark me down for Ohio state doing okay for itself in the big 10 and like getting a seven seed, which is an improvement from, from the past year. So that's my, uh, that's my quickie drive by take on that game. The game was ugly. And I don't want to say that I've never, because that would be an exaggeration and probably a lie, but I was just struck by it never felt more like an opening act game than mm-hmm. it, it almost felt like you're going to see Taylor Swift and, you know, there's an opener they're going to do about two hours beforehand and nobody's paying attention. Yeah, <laughs> like, that building must have been, what, 15, 20% filled? I mean, maybe. And like, maybe. you ready yeah. for this? The concourses were 100% filled. <laughs> Okay. I mean, it's like it, it felt like there were 4,000 people in, in the seats and and 13,000 people at the concession stands and bars and just walking around in the arena, but yeah. doing anything other than watching Ohio State and UCLA uh, play basketball. So it was a it was a true undercard. It felt like the undercard. And, uh, you know, but, you know, for Ohio State, it felt like a, a significant win. You know, they're now nine and two. They got to win over the Alabama team that just took Creighton. We'll get to that, I guess, um, yeah. to the buzzer in Omaha. They lost to, to Penn State by three points. If not for that, they would be ranked on Monday because uh, the only other loss is to, a loss to, to Texas A&M. So I think Chris Holtman's got a team that's you – know, I was on CBS Sports HQ pregame, live from the arena. I was like, do you guys want me in the arena? They were like, yes. And I set up the whole deal. got the whole thing set up. And they're like, and I say, you know, I'm standing there. I'm like, hey, just make sure to tell me like two minutes out, minute out, so that I'm not caught talking to Mitch Barnhart when you come live to me or something, right? And so they're like, immediately they're like, 30 seconds out. I said, okay, I'm glad I said something. <laughs> and and then 15 seconds after that, they start blaring break. Yeah, oh, we've been there. <laughs> yes. And it was just, it was rough. I, I was with Jeremy, and I don't know what their plan was, but um. I got two questions. <laughs> I, I wondered if they were like, we can't hear him or he can't hear us or something. But it was a it was a anyway on that hit. I said these these are two unranked teams, but they fo- both feel like teams that could be in the NCAA tournament. And I still think that's largely true. But I feel better about Ohio State than UCLA at this point, just because I mean, when it's December 16th and you got zero wins of note, that's not good. I mean, the season started a long time ago. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know no, why it, you didn't beat yeah. nobody yet. 
it's it's yeah. it's so that, genuinely getting late early for UCLA, and it need, they need to. Corona's gonna have to figure out a lot, and and they're gonna have to have no. They can afford maybe like one trip up in the Pac-12 in the regular season. Like you can't be taking quad two, quad three losses in that league, in my opinion. So, all right, so let's get to the third game on CBS. Second game of the CBS Sports Classic: Kentucky, North Carolina. Final score: UK eighty-seven, North Carolina eighty-three. The final minute got pretty stupid. North Carolina really screwing up some opportunities, but the other 39 minutes and even the last one, that's a fun basketball game. Like that's, I hate it when people start talking like, it felt like a sweet 16 game and it felt like a, but it felt big. It felt like a big game. It felt like two, two good teams with really good players going back and forth and back and forth. And Kentucky controlled almost the entire way. Like Kentucky led almost the entire time. But North Carolina was never out of it. North Carolina got down 10, got down double digits, but they were never out of it. Evidence being that they had a chance to tie under 10 seconds left and then turn the ball over. But I know you sat in studio and watched it. What'd mm-hmm. you make of uh, Kentucky's nice victory over North Carolina? Uh, I was bummed that the game ended the way that it did. And let me just toss this right back to you real quick because uh, I saw Brendan Marks tweeted out. And I don't know if you, because of your post-game duties, I don't know if you were in the presser with Huber. Did Huber give anything better of an answer than, because uh, he was asked what happened on the play and and the response that Marks tweeted was, Hubert said he turned it over. Did he give explanation for the miscommunication there or do we still not really know what happened? He was just covering for Elliot. Um, okay. It, like somebody asked what happened and he was like, it was a turnover. And then so, it was like, um, the question was like, um, so what was the play? What was what was supposed yeah. to happen? Yeah, exactly. And he was like, <laughs> he actually said the play was not to turn it over. <laughs> so Thanks. it looked it looked to me. So he didn't offer any explanation for what happened, but it looked to me, and I'd like to know what you think. It looked to me like Cormac Ryan was going down to maybe set a screen to try to pop R.J. Davis up, to pop him free, okay. and. Elliot threw the just passed it like a little lazy, just yeah. sort of. It felt like a, like a, just a little lazy. Get the ball out of my hands, pass, right? Mm-hmm. And Cormac Ryan's not even looking. It hit him in the back, and then R.J. Davis, who was coming up, that's why I think Cormac Ryan maybe was trying to go set a screen for him. He was coming up anyway. He tried to get it, stepped out of bounds, turnover. And then Aaron Bradshaw had to knock a shot down um, at the at the uh, a free throw down at the other end to to make that lead grow from three to four. And then that was it. Um, Aaron Bradshaw makes the free throw of 4.7 seconds left. The game's over. What was interesting, and I don't know if you saw this, um, in the post game, because very clearly, Kentucky did not foul up three. Kentucky's yeah. up three. There's 11 point something left, and Kentucky chose not to foul. And so John Calipari was asked about that in the press conference. And he said, because... I think Rob Dillingham, before John even came in, said, Coach asked us what we wanted to do. And we said, let's play it and switch everything. And he said, all right, let's play it and switch everything. So it was like, did he really just ask the players, what do you want to do? You will get that. You get that sometimes, though. I think it's smart sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's irresponsible other times. Yeah, I can't pick. I can't pinpoint, but I, I can pick out you know broadly in my mind situations whether on tv or at a presser where our coaches has referenced this you are way way more likely to get it when it goes their way for them to admit That's it right but this and this went it went kentucky's way because they missed it but it's not a super uncommon thing for a coach to but the fact that like, he's got all these freshmen and he did it that's actually not that's, that common. okay so like i remember one somebody can look it up but i think i rem- i think this is true 
where John Harbaugh had Lamar Jackson. They just yeah. scored a touchdown. That was last Is season. this a real? That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. awesome. That was an awesome. Yeah, moment. he really asked Lamar Jackson. He said, "What do you want to do?" He said, "Let's go get it." He said, "Then go get it." I love that because you are empowering one person, and he's your MVP. I I like empowering the face of your franchise, the MVP. I don't necessarily like asking a bunch of freshmen, "Hey guys, we're on CBS. <laughs> what do you want to do?" Particularly when you are maybe the face of foul up three or don't foul up three in the history of college basketball. The most famous foul or don't foul up three in the history of the sport, John Calipari was the coach on the wrong end of that. Chalmers for the tie, Dozier for the championship. So I thought it was wild that he really just asked his players, like, what do y'all want to do? And so after Rob Dillingham said that, he John came in and somebody asked John, he said, um, you just asked the players. What do you want to do? He said, that's right. He said, I, I got him in the huddle. This was funny. He said, I got him in the huddle. And uh, I said, all right, guys, we're up three. There's 11 seconds left. What do, you want, do you want? He said, do you want to foul when they cross half court? And he said, naturally, they said, no, nah, let's play it out. We're going to switch everything. Let's just play it out. He said, all right, let's play it out. Sends them out there. Then John, this is John Calipari talking. He said, then I saw Elliot coming into the game. He said, I grabbed Reed Shepard and I said, foul him when he gets to half court and Reed said yes sir and then he didn't do it <laughs> and he said I asked him why said, didn't you foul start me in the next game <laughs> that's it start 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 starting me you oh why didn't I foul I don't know why don't I start I'm shooting 70 percent from three <laughs> he, he said I asked him why this is John he said I asked Reed why didn't you foul and he said I decided not to John said, okay. <laughs> so it was a classic all's well that ends well because yeah. Elliot threw the ball off his teammates back. But, um, but uh, it was a funny little, and that's how I lead the column. Just like this, this guy who is the face of the, the most famous, they didn't foul up three in the final seconds moment in the history of college basketball, left it in the hands of his players. They didn't do what, well, first he left it in the hands. They decided not to foul. Then he decided, oh no, I should foul. And he told one player to foul. And if you go back and watch it, Reed Shepard's right in front of him. He just does not foul him, just lets him go. And mm -hmm. just decided he didn't want to foul him, and it still worked out okay. So you're right. It's much easier to talk about after a win than after a loss. But I just thought that was a, a funny little couple-minute anecdote that underlines this team is super talented. I mean, they got lottery picks coming off the bench. Super talented. But they're also really young. and if that goes the wrong way, if if R.J. Davis catches a screen, pops out, Elliot gets him the ball, he knocks down that three, then we're having a, we're maybe having a different conversation right now. Sure. <laughs> so 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 it didn't it didn't it didn't unfold as it was in as it was supposed to, but it still unfolded in a favorable favorable way for Kentucky. You take it, and John was. You know, I don't I don't listen to every press conference, but he was very complimentary of his of his team. He likes this team. You can tell he's the talent. He um, he, he called them smart multiple times. He said they're not just talented. They're smart. These are smart bunch of guys um, and. Seemed to talk. It, it's just funny listening to him talk. Do you remember? Like, I guess this was a thing in Kentucky in recent days where because they started getting some bigs healthy, most notably yeah, yeah. Aaron Bradshaw, yeah. there was a thought that they're going to slow it down and play differently. Yes. yes. 
And jo John went into this thing. He was like, I guess somebody thought we were going to start playing differently because we got some bigs healthy. Like, we're just going to slow it down and walk it up the court. And I was like sitting in the back. I was like, I think Bruiser said that, actually. <laughs> I, think, I think it was Bruiser that yeah. uh, suggested that. But whatever. And he was like, no, this is how we play. We're playing fast. We're shooting threes. And then he went into this thing that's just hilarious. He, he was like, he's like, you know, you, we, you, when you, you know, some, some teams only take 20 threes a game. You know why? Because they don't have shooters. We have shooters. So we're trying to take 30. And he's like, the thing, he sort of went in this little thing like, the game is changing. And, the, the, and you have to have as many shooters on the court as possible to play the way you need to play in modern basketball. It was like he just thought of this. <laughs> this is what Kentucky fans have been screaming for a few years. And he went into like this thing of like when we didn't take as many threes, it's because we didn't have as many shooters. But now we got the shooters, so this is the way we're going to play. And um, I really like it. We're good. But, man, where we could go is the ceiling's really, really high. You could just tell that he's he likes this team. He believes in this team. And I think I do, too. They look the part. Yeah, uh, in many ways they do look the part. Not I had the the graphic up if you're watching earlier. There he is. Cal is six and one against top ten ranked Carolina teams since he got the Kentucky job. The irony to that is that, and I don't remember the stat now, but I know we referenced it a year ago because when Kentucky got exposed by UCLA in the CBS Sports Classic, Cal had been on a run of I want to say he had like won fewer than twenty percent of his games against ranked teams in the in the preceding like four seasons or three seasons or something like that. Uh, Carolina is not uh, is not the bugaboo there. Um, I'll be quick on this because we still got more to get to get going. Um, and hope everyone's enjoying. By the way, the uh, the Saturday night podcast. I'm I'm happy we wound up doing this uh, for UNC to to big game and big picture. A uh, big picture seven and three. Um, it's now got back-to-back -back losses against Blue Blood programs. Uh, it, this most previous one to this was 11 days ago against, against UConn. So uh, Tar Heels will take a, a noticeable dip in the, in the rankings. Who knows? I, I would think they're still going to be ranked. I don't think that UNC is a top 15-ish team, but they've got good potential. They've got the win over Tennessee that they got at home. They beat an Arkansas team that barely beat Lipscomb earlier in, in the day. So we'll see on that. There's actually some like stuff to be determined with North Carolina. Um, they're going to turn around and play... Wednesday against Oklahoma in the Jumpman Classic. I believe Nada might even be at that game. So they have another opportunity. And a reminder, Oklahoma is still undefeated. So we'll let's just push off the like bigger picture UNC stuff. Let's see what they do uh, against OU uh, in just a few days here. For, as for the game, though, and in watching this, the, the fact that they were able to make the push, they had a 10-0 run because um, they were down. I want to say they were down 12 or 13 in the early parts of the second half. And I wondered if Kentucky was going to really pull away, but correct. Like RJ Davis was terrific. It, it's not good that they needed more from RJ Davis. And already he was like, he was going hero again. He had 27 in this game. Baycott awesome. he, Davis is great. And I've, I've long championed Davis's game. Um, and were, Conley, I'll give you credit. You were in on him way before everybody else. Like I just, if, if you and it's not like he's, he's never always plays perfectly. Sometimes he takes some balls, he shots and they don't go in, but I find his decision-making and his willingness to not be afraid of the big moment, uh, tremendously admirable. Um, it's not a good thing for UNC. They still need more like Ingram was just okay. Baycott was just okay. Ryan showed up. Cadeau's just a freshman. And the, and the, that it ended on that was, was kind of a bummer real quick on Kentucky. Then we can get our partners in here and, and go to the, the back end of it. Uh, you know, Bradshaw hitting two big freebies down, uh, down the stretch was, big reason even like they didn't need Reeves or Mitchell to to show up huge and and, and play well um 
Again, Shepard off the bench. Uh, Raftery called out just a super heady play when he when he found Dillingham. Must have been Dillingham on the transition bucket, and it was like he got it and like he had the sense and just threw it. It's why he remains just a flat out <laughs> dude. It's just so much fun to watch play basketball, and so much of what they do revolves around him. Like they. they they had good moments from DJ Wagner down the stretch, and they had nice moments from Bradshaw. And Dillingham had had a great little like uh, uh, dipsy do fake out reverse layup. They just had enough there. Again, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna coda what we talked about like five six shows ago. It's just really it's refreshing to to get this Kentucky team that is just fun to watch. Like when you watch them play, yeah, they're gonna take some losses. They'll have some inconsistencies. They've got some young ones, but you know that when you watch them most nights, they're just going to provide you something that you haven't seen from a Calipari coach group as of late. I think it's a really, um, it's a really beneficial step forward. And now they got the Louisville game waiting. That's a near automatic win. Uh, it can say Kentucky fans can say we have passed the preseason test. You're not at an a level yet, but you are certainly in that conversation to be a top 10 team. And that was a really fun way. Um, to you know, wrap up the CBS triple header. Anytime you get Carolina, Kentucky, like they just have a tendency for the most part to give us entertaining games. This was yet another really good one. Was it? Help me with my memory here. The year that they played the classic game out in Vegas, didn't they? They rematch each other in the Elite Eight. I th- I believe that was the case, and that was uh, Luke May sending Kentucky home. I think that that's was the right. same year. I think I think that's the same year but I might be mistaken. Someone in the chat's going to know what they might correct us if that's the case. Yeah, I, I remember it that way. And um, as I was watching this game, that, that popped in. Like I like if these two teams met in an Elite Eight again, or even a Final Four, like that wouldn't be the craziest thing to me. I think UK has the higher ceiling because just like the roster, you, you read through most of it. I didn't think any single player for UK like played off the charts today. I thought they all played well or, you know, or had moments, but nobody was like Malik Monk in that CBS sports Classic. Like nobody went wild, but they all, they all played. Okay. They all played, but you just look at it. And it's like, my God, they got a lot of guys. I mean, you look up in Justin Edwards, who at one point was projected as the number one pick in the draft. And it's like, I don't even notice him. I know. Like, it's wild. Gotta, yeah. Yeah. I don't even notice him. Um, DJ Wagner in transition, like the same stuff you used to see on the grassroots circuit. He's brought to college. Reed Shepard, he's just, he's really terrific. Like he had the one moment where he just took somebody's ball and then just, you know, launched a three. And even if he missed it, he was smart enough to know he had rebounders coming. He's just, they're good, man. They're good. They're now. And just like John said, we're nowhere close to what we could be. And that, you know, I'm sure he has said that at some point in every single year he's ever been at Kentucky. We're nowhere <laughs> close to where we should be. I bet he said it every year. Um, it feels true this time. I, I, I've been listening to that man talk about basketball for 20 years. Um, I can tell when he's struggling and I can tell when he's pleased. He seems pleased with where he's at and what he's got. Um, you know, you never know when you get into the NCAA tournament what's going to happen. But they've got a team that looks like – if I were projecting out where everybody could be on the first Thursday of the NCAA tournament, I would say this looks like one of the teams that that could that could actually win six games and win the whole thing. Yeah, I think so. Um, I also think it might be time for a word from our partners. Give it to me. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them. 
and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Some of the biggest developments from Saturday. What else do we need to know? What in the world happened to Baylor against Michigan State? Okay. Um, I was about to say, what the, I thought you were going to say, what in the world happened to my Wi-Fi? You're holding on, but I think you're doing okay there. I, you're still good, but sometimes you're just you're freezing. And I can't tell if you're thinking I was, really hard. I was hey, you're froze right there. No, no, no. I was fake freezing. Watch this. Okay. It's amazing audio podcast content right here. A reminder as Parrish fake freezes, we are going to have a mailbag special uh, sometime around Christmas. And we've gotten some good responses. Not a wanting me to remind everyone. Enough with the fake freezing, Parrish. Um, send more. Shouts to CBS at gmail.com. We may mix in. We've done a few video ones in the past, but you got to keep it like 15 seconds or under. Name where you're from. Question in and out. Same thing with email. It can be hoops. If you got a funny one off the court, we can get into that too. But continue to send some more shouts to CBS at gmail.com. We've got a mailbag one coming in a week and a week and a half or so. Let's whip around. And we are going to start with Michigan State. Um, my Lord, this was, I think, the most significant win of the day and the most shocking score of the day. 88-64. And uh, Michigan State is back, I <laughs> Yes. Uh, knocked Baylor from the ranks of the unbeatens. We now have four, by the way. Houston, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, JMU are your only teams with the bagel and the L column as we head into Sunday here. So we go from seven down to four. Uh, this was Michigan State's largest margin of victory over a top 10 team in school history, according to ESPN stats and information. Also, MSU by far had its best offensive day. And this was one where the game started. Michigan State was ready. Baylor was not. And they just completely, completely destroyed them. Like it was, it was, uh, it was no doubt about it. Definitive. Um, in fact, on a defensive level, I got some flashbacks of Baylor's woes on that end of the floor from a year ago. Um, I'm going to give the uh, the person or people behind the Reddit College Basketball Twitter account. This is an amazing nugget. Michigan State right now has more wins on the floor in Little Caesars Arena. Than the Detroit Pistons since the start of this college basketball season. Oh, I got one for you. I got November six. The the Spartans have one win. The Pistons have zero. What do you got, GP? The Memphis Tigers have more wins inside of FedEx Forum this season than the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> and it's like three. Well, that's true. Now, now they both reside in that. Michigan State plays one game a year right. in this arena, and they've got more since the since their season started than the Pistons. How about that's this? Amazing. The Grizzlies stat. have one more win inside FedEx Forum than Michigan State. Okay, it's no good, no good whatsoever. Tyson Walker, credit to you, man. Game high twenty five points, four assists, three rebounds, five steals. That's the preseason All American we were waiting on seeing. Hogard was very opportunistic as well. He went for fourteen five dimes and three swipes. Trey Holloman. That's nice. 11 points. We see uh, uh, Michigan State shot 63.3% from the floor and hit two out of every three pointers it, it took. It was its best shooting performance since December 31 of 2017, GP. And uh, their 15 steals in this game were the most MSU had had in the game since 2013. You got any quick thoughts on that? Uh, Michigan State, we'll see. This is 
this might be the thing that turns their season around, or maybe it winds up being the win that gets them into the tournament. We'll see. Uh, but uh, this was outright stunning. Baylor was not ready. They got their ass kicked. I'm going to guess that this is an outlier result. That when we look back at Michigan State season, even if they get good enough to make the NCAA tournament, I think we'll go, yeah, but that's still December 16th. That made no sense whatsoever. <laughs> I don't think that's indicative yeah. of that Michigan State's got everything figured out. I think that's just a weird thing that happened today. Maybe, but, but it could be uh, it could be a split of the both. Uh, maybe what I, I will, it, like maybe they get to the tournament and this is the this is the one that kind of wormed and they they don't go through another stretch where they've got two three bad bad games in a row and maybe this gets them back on the right track. We'll see. Let me ask you this: opened. We were, remember when we, get, we were praising Scott Drew for opening with Auburn, and we were like, all these coaches limp into the season. God bless Scott Drew for playing Auburn, and then it's like. Yeah, but I'm gonna spend the next five weeks playing nobody if you guys don't mind. <laughs> so like, so like they got off to a nice start, and then it was like five plus weeks of not a whole lot. I mean, Florida's okay; they beat them. Seton Hall is. Yeah. They got a game. I'll Seton be there Hall. Wednesday. They got Duke Cup coming here, so we'll see how I they know. respond. So I hear Seton what you're Hall saying. The, yeah. So how about, does this matter to you? Is this a possible explanation? Maybe not. I don't know. They they hadn't played anybody good. In five and a half weeks, does that it, does that does that catch? You? Uh, I, I wouldn't now nah, because I would say Florida's good. I think Florida's solid. Florida's good. 40, I'll, I'll get Florida good. They're, they're in the all, mix. They're in the mix yeah. there. But uh, yeah. we'll see. And we'll we'll talk more about Baylor obviously Wednesday. I'll just I'll wait, say this. Remember when game. Baylor beat Gonzaga's brains in in the championship game? There were yeah, some there. people who said it's been a long time since Gonzaga was on the, on the court with a team with these types of athletes, and it showed up. I just wonder if there's anything. It, it's been. A, I'll just change a few words and say yeah. the same thing. It's been a long time since Baylor was on the court with a team with the players that Michigan State has. Well, we'll see. And they've got a they've got a team like that waiting. And Duke has been a little bit of a letdown, but nevertheless, they got they've certainly got dudes. Um, Houston remained undefeated, seventy to sixty six. A and M had a huge charge back. Wade Taylor, the fourth at 34, but it was not enough. Uh, so Houston remains undefeated. It remains number one in all predictive metrics. The story coming out of this, though, is that Terrence Arsenault tore his Achilles, and he's going to miss the rest of the season. That is damaging. Um, I've been driving the Arsenault train. He has not yet truly popped the way that I thought he would. Now he's got an Achilles injury. He's done. Um, Calvin Sampson is such a good coach that I, I think that they can like with or without Arsenault, does it affect where Houston winds up in the Big 12? Maybe it does by one spot, but I don't think it's, it's drastic. But it's a major headline and um, wish him nothing but the best. And yeah, I can guarantee you uh, that staff is not whatsoever thrilled about the fact that uh, they've lost a, a player of that caliber. Um, another undefeated, no more, uh, Clemson. Uh, couldn't hold on late. Memphis won 79-77. Another big performance for David Jones. Memphis is now 8-2 and two for the second season in a row. It was a good day for the American because his two best teams got wins over uh, opponents of note, I guess. Uh, Memphis gets uh, the Tiger-on-Tiger battle. They knock Clemson from the ranks of the undefeated. And they are setting themselves up uh, nicely heading into league play. And then FAU played St. Bonaventure in Massachusetts, and then they pulled away late for another double-digit win. So Dusty May's team gets a, a win that's just, it's good cushioning because they got an Arizona uh, game waiting a week from now out in Vegas, and, and that's going to be a, a massive a massive test for them. Um, Creighton, Alabama was the last relevant game to play tonight. 
uh, Creighton won 85-82. It was that it was that game and the KU IU game that were the two games that were uh, in on-campus environments there. And my goodness, uh, <laughs> Mark Sears almost sank like a 39-footer bank shot to send it to OT. It lipped in, it lipped out. The weird Buddy, it thing, looked good. It did look. I was in this. I was in. Oh, the did studio. you see the slow motion replay, dude? It's more I than. It's about halfway in. I thought it was in. I know. Crazy. Crazy. It's like one of those uh, those golf putts from eight feet out, you know? It's in and then it's not. Oh, I oh, oh, I know. We've all been victim to it, no doubt about it. Uh Sears went for 19. Um, the super weird thing about this game. Okay, so Bama had four three-pointers made, Creighton had six, so they combined for 10. These teams entering the game were were combining to make 24 threes on average. Creighton was making more than anyone in the country, 12.6, and Bama was was uh, number four in the country with 11.63. They didn't shoot that well from three, and yet it was a super compelling game. Um, Bama, okay, so quick on Bama, and then quick on Creighton. I'll toss it to you. Um, you mentioned before, like what what Bama has, uh, how it's been relevant and it's a good team. GP, it's it's running out of opportunities here. Let me bring up their resume right now because they still rank. Even as we speak tonight at Ken Palm preseason by a six and four, but they've lost against Ohio State. They've lost against Clemson. They've lost against Purdue. They've lost against Creighton. They've got the win over Oregon. And actually, their home win against Indiana State um, is a good win because Indiana State's growing into one of the best mid major teams in the country, Souths to the Sycamores. But Bama's got this game on Wednesday against Arizona that looms huge just in terms of building a resume. Like overall, right now, Bama, the metrics like it, resume, they're not that far removed from UCLA. I mean, granted, they have two top 100 wins. UCLA doesn't have one in the top 250. Um, so I just couldn't help but notice that. Like, they've, they've been getting close, but they can't quite get there. Creighton 9-2 and two, uh, responded after that butt-kicking by UNLV. Um, Trey Alexander had some really nice moments in this game, and uh, that was a pretty big one. Creighton's going to open. That was their last game in non-con. Creighton will open league play on Wednesday against Villanova. Any thoughts on on Bama Creighton? I know you were leaving the arena. You were writing, so I don't even know how much of this you you saw. So I don't know how much you can speak to it. But any uh, quick, quick takeaways on either of those teams or that game? I, I, I felt like the last six minutes. You know, I um, I wrapped up the press conferences and then I walked back to my hotel uh, through downtown, beautiful downtown Atlanta. But that's about a twenty-five minute walk. I was out there getting my steps in in the streets of Atlanta. So by the time I got here. Um, the game was nearly over. I obviously saw Mark Sears shot at the buzzer. It, uh, you know, those seem like, oh, it's just a half court heave. But if you go back and watch that, like he Mm -hmm. had dribbles and there was nobody, nobody really turned him. And that's a, that's a makeable shot. Trust me, Mark Sears will, I promise you, Mark Sears made that shot at some point in practice over the past week. Those guys, they take those every day at the end of practice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, I promise you, he makes them. That that is, I wasn't good. Good shooters can put that ball on the rim every time, or something close to every time. So I wasn't shocked that it, it was close. Um, it was a pretty clean look from a long distance, but a pretty clean look. And then it's just you know, the ball, you know, it it rolled in and then popped out. It could have rolled in and gravity could have took it. It really was that close. Um, but it's a nice one for Creighton. They needed that. Um, Alabama, I still, like, I've got Alabama in the top 25 and one this morning. Mm. I think I got to get them out now, you know, because uh, I had you got to win out. a game at some point. I think so too. I'm going to get them out. Um, but 
you know, I'll, I'll be interested to see where that, what that team does in the SEC. I still think that's a quality um, basketball team. Real quick, circling back to Memphis. If I don't, I'll get killed when I show up at the airport tomorrow morning. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, Penny went out and put together a pretty ridiculous schedule um, that, that, that he's capable of putting together because they're about to play a different kind of ridiculous schedule when they get into the AAC. So it, for the same reasons Gonzaga can schedule aggressively outside of its league, Memphis can schedule aggressively, but they really scheduled aggressively. Do you know before today they had not played a home game yeah, since I November did. 17th? It had been a minute. I saw that. They've been gone for a month like they're a SWAT team or something, <laughs> but they just went and took the games. And so they, they, they played Alabama State at home on November 17th. And then they went to battle for Atlantis. They went two and one there, played in the championship game, got thumped by Villanova. Then they went down to Ole Miss and lost, but Ole Miss is one of four undefeated teams in the country. And since then, they've gone two VCU and one, one at Texas A&M, and then just beat Clemson today. So they now have four top 55 Ken Palm wins, two true road wins, and they're about to get Naquan Tomlin. Yeah, I know. Like they're about to add a starting center. It's a team, man. It's a squad for sure. He's got a squad. And 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 they you know, and we'll get to it, but they got Virginia coming in on Tuesday night. The Memphis should be ranked on Monday. Like this has been a big topic of conversation in Memphis. Oh, okay. Like um when are they gonna get ranked? They've been twenty a couple of times. They're thirty in this poll. I think they'll be I'm pretty sure they'll be ranked on Monday. Um and then they on, on Tuesday they got Virginia coming in. Yeah, no, they'll they'll definitely be ranked. Um, a couple more things, but uh, and then we'll we'll wrap here. For Bama fans listening, I'm I'm all too aware. Like you lost the game, you lost Muhammad Wagi. He fouled out with like six and a half to go, um, and then they had Nick Pringle fall out with like three and change. So that that impacted it without a doubt. The game was close in both of those instances. That didn't help. And also, Bama gets its points by getting to the foul line a lot. It didn't do it in that game. Um, quick little things to wrap up. I want to give a shout out to Kevin Cross at Tulane. Uh, the second player of the season to get back-to-back triple doubles, but he did it against Division One competition. Um, McCullough got one of his against Chaminade. He had 20 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds, and a 105-81 win over Southern. Shouts to Tulane and Kevin Cross. Juwan Howard did return, uh, as we uh, surmised on the Friday show, Michigan beat EMU 83-66. So Howard is back, and that is that for now. And then uh, speaking of back, Dylan DeSue made his season uh, debut for Texas and damn what a debut it was. He had 17 points, had a career best nine of nine showing at the foul line, had five assists as well. Didn't have a turnover. Texas uh, beat LSU 92, 80, 96, 85. And no, UConn fans, we didn't forget about you. This is the last one we'll wrap up because you know what? Yeah. It was a late tip on Friday, but we should at least address it there because it was a top 10 matchup, but it's kind of similar to how UNC's top 10, but I don't see it being like a top 15 team right now. Gonzaga in the top 10, it'll drop out. I don't see it as a top 15 team. Klingon went for 21. Cam Spencer had 15 Klingon shot well he, he he had his best game yet so far this season uh and he did so while anton watson did well for himself with 20 ryan nemhart out of 15 but if you watch the game just it was evident that gonzaga is definitely not at uconn's level and and not that you know we were expecting that to be the case but we thought maybe there was an opportunity you and i both picked the zags against the spread heading into that game and then uh we're dumbasses because you can absolutely if it's going to win a game it's not going to be close okay we we should have seen that coming nevertheless you and i went three and two in our picks this weekend and uh and uconn didn't help us on that end but it's it's wrapped up its non-conference schedule and is right there to kind of circle all the way back with what we talked at the top um to beat 
Gonzaga by 13 in Seattle to shoot. So, I mean, they shot 56% from the field. They hit 41% of their three pointers and Gonzaga just, it, it looked out of its depth. I don't know what to say. And that's fine. Like every so often, you know what, if Mark few's got a team that's just going to be top 20 ish, top 25 ish, uh, he's earned to have a quote unquote off year. I still think they're going to get into the tournament, but they missed a big opportunity there. You get Kentucky on the road in February. We'll see if they can make up with a big win there. But uh, congrats to UConn on just a, a dominant run, and is, is sitting at the table with four or five other teams as the, as the best uh, as the best team in the sport. Was hoping we'd get a little something more competitive on that Friday because it was a standalone game. Nevertheless, UConn outright refuses Parish to play close games when it wins in non-complex. You know, sometimes, and I think we did it earlier. You you watch a game in November, December, and you say, ah, you know, I I I. I think it tells me more about this team than that team. Or I think I know something about this team, but it's too early to say about this team. I think Friday night, because I sat here in the same hotel room, watched that game. Um, I think it told us something about both teams. I, I think it told us that U- UConn's legitimately great. They're legitimately great. I mean, they went into Gonzaga's home state, not the kennel, but home state. And they just they just whipped them, you know, pretty much from start to finish. And I think we found out that Gonzaga's good, but they're not great. They're not in the same – that's not the same – if we're putting teams in tiers, they're not in the same tier. And that was obvious on Friday night. How about this? Top 25 on Sunday morning. Number one, Purdue. Number two, Kansas. Number three, Houston. Number four, UConn. Number five, Arizona. That sound right? Oh, man. Yeah, and but you say that. I guess so. And then Marquette's got to be six because Marquette's not far behind, man. I've got Marquette sixth. Yeah, got to be. Okay. It's good stuff. It's good stuff, you know, for the sport that we've got. We've got a lot of really good teams right now, uh, and even teams with some flaws. There's uh, there's a lot of good out there, and it's been it's been a fun non-con season so far. And we're not we're not done. We got uh, we got some games coming up uh, of, of forthcoming. Sunday's pretty slow. GPL let you take Monday, and Tuesday, but on Sunday, as a reminder, Syracuse, Oregon. It's a one Eastern tip on CBS Sports Network. I actually think that's a fairly urgent game for both of those teams, particularly Syracuse. I mean, it it, it needs some sort of win of note there, um, and then you've got. USC at Auburn. So Bronny James and then USC is five and four and has four straight road games. And we talked about this on last Sunday's show, but um, that's a game of real urgency f- uh, for USC as well. And then Auburn, you got, you know, you got the Trojans in your gym. Don't, uh, don't blow that kind of game. So there is at least a little intrigue there for Sunday, but o- otherwise it's slow. And that's why, hello, wanted to make sure we got you a, a, a fairly quick uh, reacts podcast here on Saturday night. GP, what is on the slate for Monday and Tuesday? Well, yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. We're not just doing uh, a Saturday night pod because um, Saturday was great. Because We're doing a Saturday night pod for a lot of different reasons. A, I'm not at home, so I don't have a wife and kids waiting on me. Um, B, um, there's nothing happening Sunday that matters. Like, there's no games that matter. The, the same show we just did is the same show we would do tomorrow night except we'd be dressed differently and better or worse. <laughs> worse for me. I'm Depending. still rocking the, the tie and all that stuff. But yeah. And, um, and, and so, yeah, so, so, so that's that Sunday. There's nothing that interesting Monday. There's nothing. There's like nothing interesting. Okay. And our next, do you want to disagree? You I'm going to look right now. I'm looking, I'm looking right now. Let's see what our best, our best, uh, Let's see our best game on Monday. I hope Ooh, you like boy. Drexel. You know, I, I'm always down for Drexel, but uh, the schedule is barren from a from a mainstream appeal standpoint. Let's get to Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday's where it's at, and it's not great, but we do have some games. The uh, aforementioned Virginia at Memphis. Microphone. 
That should now be a ranked versus ranked matchup when the AP people updates on Monday. So mm-hmm. that will be the best game on the schedule for uh, for Tuesday night. That's uh, 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN2, live from FedEx Forum. And then at 8.30 Eastern on FS1, you get what is currently number seven Marquette. They should move up when the AP poll updates Monday at Providence. That's a good one. That is, is a Tyler Kulik. Is it Tyler Kulik from there? He is. He is from. Uh, he is from Rhode Island. That is. That is correct. Um, and it's I would be going. To, I got to go to Garden on Wednesday for 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 Baylor Duke. Um, if that wasn't happening, I might actually scoot over to uh, the Ocean State to catch that. But that's a that's a really nice matchup, and it's it's Kim English's teams getting a nice like they've had a they've, they've obviously had a, a couple of notable games so far. But this is really feels like the first moment where Providence is going to have a game against a notable opponent on a night where there's not a lot of other stuff that could distract you from that. Um, so that, that'll be a, that'll be pretty intriguing overall. I'll also note Florida against Michigan in the Jumpman classic and Charlotte. That's a seven Eastern tip on ESPN on Tuesday, Florida rates slightly better. It's a seven and three team did not play this weekend. Michigan sitting there at six and five and with its last non-conference opportunity. The Wolverines have a win at St. John, so they have one win of note. That's certainly a win of note. I'm not going to count Stanford as a win of note in non-com play, but uh, an opportunity against the Gators with Juwan Howard back on the bench. All right. I guess it's time to eat junk food. Uh, Look at at what my hotel room... I'm I'm driving home, but yeah. (laughs) What what do you got? What do you got? All right. So this is all in my room right now. M&M's. Peanut, by the way. Skittles. Yeah. Reese's. Oh, there we go. Now we're talking. Gummies. Ooh, that could be fun. <laughs> okay. You should have taken you should have had those before we started podcasting. Twix Twix minis. See, you see, I got an issue with that. If you're gonna give me a Twix, I need the I need the full size thing. Such a tease, the small Twixes. Two bars. Kind bars. I mess with kind bars. He's getting he's getting up, by the way. See, I don't. And by the way, as he does sell this, if it's this, if it's if we're within two weeks of, of of Christmas, I need Christmas. Is that a Christmas cookie? No, that's fruit and a cookie, chocolate. No, I need yeah, Christmas cookies. Put that in my room. They just put that in my room. If you wrap something in red or green and, and with candy, Christmas candy, I'm seven times more likely to eat it. I'm not. I'm not eating a regular Reese's. What is more that? cookies. More okay. cookies. You're just gonna get fat. And then look at this couples kit. More of us. I don't need. Okay. More of us. <laughs> yeah, it's a couple skit. You don't need to open it. We already know it's in there. I might open it. Don't open it. I might open it. Was it twenty seven dollars to open the couple skit? Probably. I probably just cost myself a hundred dollars <laughs> just by touching it. Why do they put all this stuff in here? Like, who needs that? What if I had a What if I had an eating disorder? Oh, well, you open up. You open the couple's kit. You work up an appetite. You had a little bit of candy afterwards. Oh, I'm not go. even gonna lie to you. Last night during Gonzaga UConn, I ate the chocolate almonds. Okay, <laughs> I, I knocked out a whole bag of chocolate almonds last night. But like, it, it seems crazy to put all this in somebody's room. I, I'll tell you what. Here, here at the HQ studios, they got Twinkies. When's the last time you had a Twinkie? I, I got into a Twinkie tonight for the first time in at least a decade. Twenty years. It's been forever. It's I had so not I had one in so long. Mini bars, Tito's. Oh okay. Jack Daniels. Tequila. Got a Merlot. <laughs> what? I'm what about to get perfect. fat and drunk. <laughs> it's just you. Oh boy! Hey, this is the best hostage a- situation I've ever seen in my life. By the way, I, I know, right? I you got. 
Hey, I can't wait till y'all read this Kentucky column that I got to finish. <laughs> I got about 45 minutes left in a Kentucky column. I'm going to get drunk and fat and file it. Probably misspell Reed Shepard three times. Okay. I think that's a show. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Huck Larnell. What happened? What I've got that? a different I've got a different board here, and I just I was I don't know what I'm sorry. You know what I have you know how sad I am what I have to do with this? Because they set this in my room. They just said it that because I because I basically live at Marriott Properties. <laughs> they, they do you want to know the most depressing thing that they think is actually a nice thing? When I'll get into my room sometimes, because like when I reserve a room, they it's like I, it must set off alarm bells everywhere, right? They're waiting for me, and so um, they'll they'll write me a little personalized note, and it'll say, "Welcome home, Mister Parish." Yeah, that's the most depressing thing you ever want to hear. Checking back into the same hotel, and they're like, "You're home." <laughs> but yes, I'm gonna face my kids. That'll eventually shorten your lifespan. <laughs> Go eat it. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. So they'll they'll put you a little note like "Welcome home, Mr. Parish," and then they'll put this in your room. Do you know what I will do with this? I will flush it down the toilet. In- okay. <laughs> because if I don't, all this other stuff, I'm strong enough just not to open. I'm just not gonna open me and Throw it through. You don't trust your. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We uh, let's let's get out of here. But you don't trust yourself not to pull it out of the trash, George Costanza, and just not eat it if you just throw it in the trash. No, I didn't say trash. I said toilet. I know what I'm saying. Just throw it in the trash instead of down the toilet. Why don't you just throw it out? I don't trust myself. Okay. I don't think I trust myself. So to avoid eating this while Billie Eilish is on Saturday Night Live, I have to flush it down the toilet. That's where we're at. That's where we're at in my life. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. So go do that. We'll talk to you again. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Yeah, I guess so. There we go. Unless something crazy happens. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. In the meantime, I'm about to have a party. I'll see you guys later. And go get your Christmas shopping done. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.